Today's episode of Everything Remade is sponsored by Malevik. Find them on tour right now in a city near you. Check their tour dates on Instagram at M-A-L-E-V-I-C-H dot B-A-N-D. Welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and I'd like you to hear something. by Old Pride, which is the solo project turned live act of my pal Dan Malazan. Let's hear more about Dan's various projects and label Callus Records after the clip. lived in before the, the one they're currently in so that would have been probably sometime in 2000 uh, and I, all, all I can remember is there was this little tree in the front garden and I was in the tree and, and that's it I can't remember what the house looked like or any other details I just know I was in and you see yeah that would have been I would have been maybe four years old yeah and just getting up in this tree. Yeah, it was a really small tree, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so I was kind of just, it was one of those where there's like a gap in the branches where you can kind of walk into it. And then okay. you can just kind of stand like in, in the middle of the tree. So, so I was just kind of stood in the middle of it. <laughs> so you're like in this tree and by by like the point that you're in it, it's kind of like it wavering like it because it's so small or... Uh, I think it was quite, it was like short, but I think it was wide enough and oh, okay. I was small enough okay. that I could just kind of, just okay. kind of nestle in it. 
Yeah, there's definitely some trees in my backyard that are like, um, the 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 like branches and stuff are like smaller around than like my children's arms, and they still climb in them, and it's like that tree is literally just gonna fall over, like. Because <laughs> um, I don't know what you know what kind of trees they are. They're not exactly trees, but they're not exactly bushes either. You know, they're just I don't know something yeah, in between. Yeah, kind of halfway. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, um, yeah. We haven't lived here very long, but I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm nervous about like just looking out once all the uh, the green comes back on the the branches and stuff. I'm just nervous about looking out and it looks exactly the same as it did in winter. Like everything's just all dead because my children just are like climbing up everything and, you know. Yeah, um, just ruining all the all the branches. Yeah, they think they're making spears out of everything and, you know, all this. Like, I, you know, like it's a house full of vegans and they're pretending out there that they're like uh, doing Terraria and Minecraft and stuff. But yeah. I mean, great times, you know, but uh, yeah, I look yeah, out. It re- reminds me of, of my childhood as well, because we the house my parents had that uh, I grew up in, all sorts of trees in the garden, which is actually rare for, for the UK. But I had, yeah, I spent most of my young childhood just running around, hitting my brothers with sticks and climbing <laughs> trees and all that. <laughs> that's awesome i mean maybe not the hitting your brother's part but i mean <laughs> what are you gonna do you know uh, um yeah i was gonna ask like so you do have siblings like how many siblings do you have i've got an older and a younger brother oh okay and that are, and i've got like 30 31 cousins i think oh my goodness I, I don't even know how many i can't keep track of it yeah i don't i don't have that many i don't know how many but not that many Maybe, you know, like a, a few handfuls, but not. Um, yeah, are your brothers close to you in age? Uh, I'm three and four years apart oh, okay. on either side. Yeah, that's... Uh, so not like, not super far, but... Yeah, that's the perfect, yeah. like, distance, I think. It's, it's, it's just to where... It's just enough distance to where you're kind of in the same things for a little while. And then you start getting on yeah. each other's nerves, you know. <laughs> and you're not so close that you're like in direct like competition mm-hmm. with everything all the time. Yeah, in you know, the we're same not like classes or whatever. We never had like yeah, not yeah. in the same classes. We're not like vying for the same friendship groups in school and yeah, of course. So yeah, I think it's a it's a perfect distance. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So you know, you talked about the you know, the house and, and the garden, um, what other kind of things did you get up to when you were, uh, really young? What were your interests? I've always been into art. Um, so I spent a lot of time doodling, drawing, um, me and my older brother, we spent loads of time coming up with like concept ideas, for games that we liked. So okay. we used to be really into ratchet and clank. Oh, so yeah. we would like spend ages drawing, like guns that could be in like a new ratchet and clank game and coming up with all the concepts and <laughs> um all that kind of stuff yeah my we 
My kids did that the we, other day with Among Us. Like, I, they don't even play Among Us. They just did it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. They were just like, oh, this is a snake gun. It shoots snakes or something. Like, I don't know anything about Among Us. I've never played it. But that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, what kinda, stuff like that. What are, what are the standouts? Do you remember any? I actually really don't, to oh, okay. be honest. That's fair. Um, I don't have a huge amount of like strong memories from when I was particularly young. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's... Um, memory's tricky. It's like I, like I can remember some things like very well. I could tell you everything about something, you know? And then it's like the last 20 years, I'm like, you know... I, what I did from day to day is like it's like a blur, you know. I don't know. Yeah, but um, it's interesting, like what your your brain kind of chooses as important and not important. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been working on this. Uh, I've been working on this um, thing that uh, that's that's like kind of like a retelling of like uh, right before I graduated from high school and right after. And it's like, yeah. I'm like, it's it's really weird because it's like you got this like three year period of time or whatever, and you're like, so much shit happened, and and then it feels like that's this really monumental time, and I guess, like it kind of is, I guess it's formative, you know. But then you're like, wait, all kinds of shit has happened, <laughs> like, yeah, not, not all of it good, and you know, I don't know why some things leave such an impression and others kind of fall by the wayside you know i mean it's like i know a lot of it has to do with like trauma and you know stuff like that but you know there was some trauma in my in my high school so I, it's not that but uh yeah this is off to a great start right uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you mentioned art like and that's like something that i really find fascinating i love like children's art i love how it's uh how there's just like no rules you know and yeah. um and <clears throat> like every line is is it feels intentional even when it's not you know and um yeah later on in life like we i think we have all these inhibitions and fears about art like in doing it wrong you know and um it keeps a lot of people from continuing that you know um but uh i know like you still do uh art and stuff now for like your projects like including like a lot of like physical art like you know i know you you did one of your releases well I'm not, I can't remember if it was one of your bands or whatever, where you were actually like sewing, uh, d the designs into covers and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking sick. But, um, uh, did you all, did you stay with art? Like, did that follow you through your life or was there a period where you're just like, eh, and got into different things? It kind of went for a bit and it's come back now. Mm -hmm. So I did art in high school and I lost all my my entire coursework uh, about a year and a half into the the course and then i had like 
three or four months to redo it all. And then I, I didn't get the, the grade I wanted at the end. So I kind of didn't follow it on after that. And then I've gone back to, I went back to university two years ago mm-hmm. uh, to, to do a drawing and printmaking course. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, I've like fully like thrown myself back into it at the moment. Um, awesome. But yeah, between high school and like a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, um, didn't spend a lot of time doing art. Um, I'm not sure why, because I, I ne- never really felt like it was like my confidence was knocked because of the the kind of worst high school grade I got, or I, I never really felt like that was the case. I think I maybe just decided to focus more on kind of musical endeavors. Mm-hmm. And and then when I started Callus and that it kind of just fell back into it, it made sense to start doing art as well. Yeah. Running a label, doing the tape layouts and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, I mean, at the very least, the, the thing in high school, that had to be like super annoying. So it's like sometimes it's just natural to like, you're just like, I need a fucking break, you know? Like, yeah, you, you, you did all the work once and you're like, then the thing happens and you're like, fuck. And you have to do it all over. And then it was like, maybe felt like, well, shit, I busted my ass and the results weren't what I was hoping. So it's like, you know, a subconscious, like, okay, yeah. chill on that for a minute. There's other things that I can do, you know? <clears throat> it, but, um, it makes sense that I would have been feeling pretty burnt out because I'd, I'd go to school, do a lesson, and then go to the art room on my break and go back to the art room on my lunch. Yeah. And I'd stay at school for another hour after, do some art, and then I'd go home, go to my room and just do art for, from when I got home. I'd go down and eat dinner, come back, carry on, and do it till midnight, one in the morning. And that was six days a week for like three, four months just non-stop so I, I, yeah it made sense i burnt myself out pretty hard yeah i'm currently fighting against that as i'm on day 45 of a page a day in my graphic novel so like i'm like <laughs> i'm like i'm deep i'm deep now but it, but yeah. i want to i want to knock this out by like summer so i'm like i gotta stay on track um i'm one of those people oh, like yeah i if i let if i give myself slack i i take it you know and uh yeah definitely that is that's is not the way i want to do this but um yeah um so you mentioned printmaking like that's i mean i have only just like read books and like you know even the simplest things that people in printmaking like circles like know about and um things that people have been doing for thousands of years or whatever like this shit just blew my mind like you know just taking a pine cone and doing prints uh you know the of course the potato stamp that everybody you yeah know, like lots of people learn absolute classic um, i mean like the shit is just amazing so like what all are you learning and putting into practice in your in your um university studies of printmaking oh there's there's so much because they, they just kind of try and, the way my course is structured, they just try and give you like as much information as possible and teach you as many different techniques and processes. Mm-hmm. And then their attitude is kind of like, well, we've shown you a bunch of shit. 
just go and do what you want with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, which is nice because we get a lot of creative freedom. Um, they're not trying to like steer us in a particular direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just so there's like printmaking techniques that I'd never heard of before. Like, couldn't even would never have guessed could possibly have existed. Yeah. Um, Give us some of the wild. There's so much going on. Like, what are the wildest um, ones? There's one called stone lithography. Okay. You get like a a big block of like sandstone or limestone and you paint on it with like just kind of basically just water um you usually put like a little bit of paint in the water just so you can see what you're doing a little bit better mm-hmm. and then that like erodes the stone a little bit and gives you the higher and lower areas which you can then ink up and make a print from mm-hmm. and and i think i can't remember how you can't get a lot of prints out of it because the stone starts like deteriorate crumbling away but just yeah yeah so it's really like expensive because you use these like huge blocks of stone Mm -hmm. but then like you're spending all this money and you can only get a few prints out of it so that's that's pretty weird yeah uh, (laughs) copper plate etching was really cool Uh you just get little like plates of copper and you etch into them with acid uh-huh. I think Sasha from um, Malovi- uh, Malovich does something like that. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they do. Yeah. Um, their work is phenomenal. The <laughs> yeah, detail yeah. and <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't expect unknowing. anything less about like yeah from like their drawings and stuff. Like I would expect nothing less for sure. Yeah, yeah. and the knowing kind of how the process works, it's a, the amount of time that goes into any individual one of their their works is must be it's so many hours yeah yeah and then if you kind of if you fuck it up at some point then like that's it the whole plate like you can't undo anything okay. so if you fuck it up you've either just got to power through or start from scratch damn so it's like a big like big risk as well yeah. a lot of pressure yeah that's not for me but uh, <laughs> like when I fuck up a screen that I, you know, spent a couple hours drying, then I'm like, my day's ruined, you know. So I can, and that's not expensive, and that's not like really that much time, and it's super, it's super not that much effort, you know. Yeah, but, uh, I'm just like, yeah. Uh. But uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I've always wanted to like learn how to really do like more than just a couple things. I just think that especially the sort of found item printing is super underrated and like uh, I'd love to put that kind of thing to more practical use, you know, I just, yeah, it's just always like one of those things where it's like, Oh, like, um, somebody wants something really specific so you don't have the like you just got to do silkscreen because you know you um you need the lines to be a certain way you know nobody's like allowing you like the uh creativity and time to just like experiment and screw around until you get a bunch of random yeah. shapes that look awesome you know um yeah you're you're given a brief and you you just have to kind of 
Yeah, go with do it. what the person's asking you to yeah. do. Get the best results, you know, the fastest. Yeah. So yeah. There's um, a there's a really weird like found one of my course mates, um, she's half Japanese and so she's been really focusing on like Japanese printmaking styles. And one of the ones that she did, she went and bought some fish from a market mm-hmm. and painted squid ink onto the fish and then you print just the fish. Okay. So I was, I was looking through her work and just found this big stack of just prints of like fish scales. Mm-hmm. And she said that her whole house like absolutely stank from all just these dead fish that she'd been printing. <laughs> I just thought that was like the weirdest thing. Yeah. Just it sounds awesome though. Except for the fish. Yeah, except for the stink. Like that doesn't sound awesome. But uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The like I I mean I'm probably not picturing the results exactly as they came out, but like, you know, um, that like scale slash like armor look like, you know, the, like, that sounds awesome in like printing, you know, just like, um, and I'm sure that you can do things that make the uh, results vary a lot and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, you said that um, when you finished high school that you decided, like, okay, this is a good time to um, focus on music things. But um, I'm assuming by that point you were already involved in, like, playing instruments and stuff. Um, how did you first, like learn to love music and get started like playing music yourself um my parents have always been like huge into just playing music all the time and kind of just making sure that me and my brothers have always been into it mm-hmm. and so we've always like since a ridiculously young age we've always we've kind of had our own like independent music tastes I started playing drums when I was trying to do some math. I think I'm nine years old. Around about. It was, a, it was a, around 2005, I think, I started playing drums. Okay. And I was fortunate enough, my parents' house was big enough that I could put drum kit in my bedroom. And we don't have any immediate neighbors either. So I would like come home from school and for years I'd play drums for like at least an hour every single day. So that was really cool to have that kind of access to such an inaccessible instrument. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the kind of area that I grew up, there's never really been like an alternative music scene in the kind of nearest town. And so it was really hard to try and, start bands and and get stuff going so the whole time that i lived here until i moved to bristol uh which was 2015 or so um could never get anything going there was always kind of like one or two people who were keen and then it would just never get off the ground so it was a long time before i actually started doing any kind of playing in bands or anything The 
Now you said your parents always listen to music. Like, what kind of stuff was your were your parents into that you were like listening to around the house and stuff? My dad is his music taste is like the most stereotypical dad music. He he loves. It's always like it, all those kind of specific, like one hit wonders by bands. So I can I can't really name like specific songs but he's just into like classic dad music okay like this is the um, story of a girl you know or what <laughs> yeah just all that sort of shit yeah when you say um, one hit wonder like i immediately am like yeah somebody you know or <laughs> smash mouth or you know although like i guess they had more than one hit but you know what i mean yeah, it's it's all stuff like just like music a little bit older than that, but oh, okay. all the kind of like eighties, nineties kind oh, of okay. rock and indie, all all the kind of like one hit wonders that would end up on the charts, but that weren't pop music, basically. Okay. okay. Um, but my parents grew up in Trinidad, so there's also been loads of calypso, and my granddad's hugely into Cuban music. Okay. So there's always like a bit of Cuban music in the house as well. Um, so my parents have always tried to make sure as well that kind of we've always felt connected to our Trinidadian heritage, and we've always kind of listened to a lot of that music as well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what were the bands that you started resonating with like earliest? Uh, I think the first artist I was really into was Will Smith. Okay. His first couple of albums were, they were just like on repeat all the time. Yeah. And then there was a, there was like an R&B mixtape sort of CD that my older brother got. And then that was kind of pretty much all I listened to for a couple of years. Now, would you like play along with Will Smith tracks or? No, I think at the time I, when I first started playing drums, I was very much like a, kind of learn how to play them properly so i'd sit and do my rudiments and ah okay kind of work out all the kind of boring stuff yeah i do not know that shit at all <laughs> i just oh, i don't i don't know it anymore <laughs> yeah it's i it's funny like i was t i was talking to kevin from plague walker once and you know we, we were talking about the one of the recordings and i was just like you know I, it took me a minute to warm up to it because I I will put the songs together and I am, am telling myself, this time I'm gonna stretch my legs a bit on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to come up with stuff that's more like um, uh, creative or whatever and when it comes right down to it and i finish the songs and i'm i start playing the drums like i just i'm just jacked up i just feel sort of angry and ready for release and and i start playing and i just like feel like just hitting the drums and yeah. all of that other pretentious shit just goes. It's just like yeah. not happening anymore. <clears throat> and so every fill is just, da, 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 you know, like, and uh, I just had to eventually just be like, ah, who, you know, who cares? Like, that's fine. Like somebody is like, 
this drummer's not very good, you know? <laughs> like, I just, I'm fine. That's fine, you know? Um, well, playing like that is where I ended up kind of going from just playing drums to finding, like, an actual passion in it. Mm-hmm. It's when I started to drop all the rudiments and stuff and just, you know, just play stuff that I think just sounded cool or just, like, was just really satisfying to play. You just... You get a really simple beat sometimes, but you can just like smash the shit out of your drum kit and it just, it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I bend all the complicated stuff. It's, uh, drums, drums is really like, I cannot imagine playing kind of basically the same couple things on guitar for like an hour and not being bored. But like on drums, you really can just alternate between a few beats for like quite a while and be pretty content. You can just be like having a good yeah. time, you know, and uh, <clears throat> eventually, of course, you're going to stop in in the middle. You're going to noodle around with something. Uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes I get in get into something that's like <clears throat> a little above my pay grade or whatever, and I might get frustrated. But at the same time, it's fun. <clears throat> yeah especially because the next time you try it something will have just happened and it'll be easier and it's it's weird i mean i've i think i find that about most things in life it's like you're trying something it's hard you're like i'll never get this and then the next time you try it it's just a little easier and there's no explanation necessary it's just is and i don't know yeah it's just yeah, you don't need a, a huge amount of practice to to improve at something. Yeah. It just just takes a giving it a go every now and then. Yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, uh how did you go from Big Willie style to uh to get to getting into like hardcore and then screamy stuff and uh punk music? Uh, it was all stuff that my older brother showed me. I, oh, okay. I don't really I don't really know how he got into it because again he listened to all the same like r&b and stuff when when he was younger that i did mm-hmm. and then he just somewhere along the way kind of came across heavier music and what i find interesting is like most people i know who are into punk hardcore screamo anything like that they kind of they most people are like oh yeah i heard like slipknot when i was 14 and it like blew my mind and I never went through that new metal phase uh-huh. and I also started listening to heavier music a fair bit younger as well I was listening to like Born of Osiris and stuff like that when I was like 11 years old and uh-huh. um, yeah like I don't really know where where it kind of came from but one of the first heavy bands I got into actually was Maths oh, and okay. it took me years and years to kind of make the connection and be like ah this is screamo Mm -hmm. there's like a whole other genre of stuff that sounds like much more specifically like this band compared to hardcore bands like your demise and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it took me so long to make that connection but uh maths are one of my favorite bands of all time and have been since the beginning yeah yeah great band i went through a a long phase of just listening to like melodic hardcore a lot of like the empiricon bands um stuff like the ghost inside and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually really get into Screamo properly until I started Callus Records. Kind of t- just took this plunge and was like, I'm going to I'm gonna do a Screamo label and just listen to loads of Screamo and just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, were you... Were you- were you put onto that by like other like labels like in the UK like Dog Knights and Adorno and stuff or Yeah, Dog Knights and Adorno <laughs> were the the two two huge, huge kind of inspirations and um Sean from Adorno as well was a was a bit of a mentor when I started Callist as well. Um so they, they yeah, they were huge kind of just really important for me. Um, going down that route and kind of discovering a lot of those bands and, and discovering that scene as well because I'd come from the kind of super macho aggressive hardcore scene mm-hmm. and then I started discovering this this scene of kind of sonically very similar music but a scene where just everyone's so different there's 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 not that kind of competitiveness that you get in hardcore yeah yeah, you felt like it was more welcoming and Yeah, hugely so. Yeah. And people were just a lot more aware of um kind of social issues and kind of how those kind of manifested in like a local music scene and people just seemed uh, much more uh, aware of kind of trying to just ways to try and just be a better person. Yeah. And kind of lift lift up people around you and Mm-hmm. yeah just a, a much nicer environment yeah that's awesome is so w- where do you start to where you're actually able to find people to play music with like was that once you moved you said once you moved to bristol like did you were you able to find people to play in bands because i know that a lot of your projects now are sort of like um studio and it's like you do a lot of the stuff you're you know all by yourself but um like yeah when you moved to bristol were you able to finally get a band going that you were you know um like working towards for all that time and not coming up with anything so it was was kind of a little a little bit before i moved to bristol actually i went to a festival in bristol which was, I think, almost exactly a year before I moved there. Okay. And uh, Oathbreaker were playing. I'm a huge, huge fan of Armin Ra and all their side projects. And so I was just kind of running around this festival, just saying to everyone, go see Oathbreaker. They don't clash with anyone. Just go to this stage at this time, see Oathbreaker. <laughs> and I kind of said this to this one guy, and he just kind of looked at me dead in the eyes and was like, Oathbreaker, yes, fucking love that. So we kind of bonded over that. And then... Uh, he messaged me like a couple of weeks later later and said that he he was after a drummer for a band turns out it was kind of like a soft emo band so completely not oathbreaker at all right um and i joined that and that's the the kind of the first band that i was actually in okay um first band that i released anything with okay so what kind was of that band actually moved to bristol that's when that started um okay. that was called planes originally oh, okay but then we lost our singer, got a new vocalist, and then we kind of rebranded the band as Say Nothing. Okay. So that ended up going on for quite a while. Yeah. And how did you find, like, 
playing in a band like after all that time like you said it wasn't exactly what you were uh aiming for but you know you made it and you stuck with it obviously so like um was it like were you like yes fucking finally um and like did you start playing shows and yeah there was, there was kind of a big moment of that that kind of like finally things are happening i finally felt like i've been searching for this opportunity for so long and i've finally got it and it was just really nice to like be in a band with a group of people who were just who just want to like write music as much as they can and just get out there and play shows and it was quite difficult to get us all or just the schedules that we all had uh, mm-hmm. it was, but we couldn't do nearly as much as we wanted to mm-hmm. But it was just so nice to to have a group of people who had that drive. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, we played a bunch of shows, and uh, yeah, it was it was definitely like a, a bit of a turnaround moment. I think it yeah. was that moment where it kind of I had this realization, like, yeah, I can actually do this. I can like I can have a, a feature in in music in some capacity. Yeah, yeah. What was your first show experience like? Um, it was a little bit weird, actually. Okay. So there was this, there was a band in kind of the local emo scene in Bristol, uh, who we were all huge fans of their music, and they asked us to play their EP release show. Um, we we went on, we played first, but the the members of that band were just really kind of just like big, really big egos on the day. I think they got this because they were like the kind of the biggest band in the local scene at the time. Okay. And I think they just kind of let that get to their heads a bit. So it was kind of weird, like being asked to go to the, to play at this show by the band and being really big fans of them. And then them just kind of like, they didn't speak to us at all the whole night. They just kind of dismissed us almost. Hmm. So it was a little bit weird in that respect. But then the other two bands that played that show, um, they were we got along really well with both of those. Um, I've had kind of, I've been friends with members of both of those bands ever since that show was, I think maybe 2016. Mm-hmm. So, so it was kind of really big, like pros and cons, a um, little bit of a weird experience. Was it a big show? Like, was it well attended and stuff? It was a small venue, but okay. it was the, the room was pretty packed out. Yeah. So I, I it might've been out actually I, I can't remember too well but it was definitely like really really well attended for the yeah. size of the venue what so that was, was really that cool it? and we had um some of my extended family came down and watched the show as well so that was quite cool oh that's wild how, how did that uh how did that all affect you like your nerves or uh, no i've it's been like this since the beginning actually i found that i don't get nervous until I'm physically on stage. Okay. Like I'll kind of set up all of my gear. We can do a sound check, all of that. And, but until I get on stage and it's like, okay, we just need to wait for everyone to be ready. And then we're starting our set in like three or four minutes. That's when it just kind of hits me. Yeah. And I start to panic a little bit. Do you think you're going to forget the songs and stuff or? Yeah. That's always a big worry that I'm going to, 
like forget this like a structure or like forget how a part goes and i'm just gonna do this like monumental fuck up because yeah. I've, I've played enough shows now that i know most of the mistakes that musicians make uh it's those kind of mistakes where you look back at it and you're like oh that was so wrong that i, I played this part completely incorrect but it's the kind of things that people watching the band don't no- notice mm-hmm. but i always worry about doing one of those huge fuck-ups that like the band kind of stops and everyone in the room just looks at you and is like, it's clear that you fucked up. That's yeah. always the, the kind of panic going on in the back of my mind. Yeah. That's the double-edged sword of knowing so many talented musicians is you're like, well, we're playing with Masanera tonight and Mark is like the best drummer I can think of. And I'm over here playing, you know, these shitty D beats and just like falling apart <laughs> and you get really like into your head, you know, like, yeah. Uh, but realistically it, it wasn't that bad. And Mark's going to come up to you later and be like, y'all fucking ruled, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I it's, think it's particularly weird in a, in like punk scenes where it's so welcoming to people who aren't kind of proficient at playing an instrument. Mm-hmm. But then you do get people who are really good at playing. So you get bands where the musicians are kind of incredible musicians from like a technical perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you get another band where like they're a really sick band, but they're, they're actually just not very good at playing instruments. Mm-hmm. So you get that really weird, those huge kind of disparity in people's technical abilities. Mm-hmm. And anybody can write an awesome song too. It's like you don't even... Yeah. Like... You know, <clears throat> you don't even have to be very good, or you can be very good and not write good songs. I mean, either thing can happen. Um, yeah. But then again, like, what's a good song? You know, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's wild. It's like this this thing always happens to me. It's like not necessarily like once you're up there, but like when I am setting up my kit that is like the worst. Like I, I'm like, I feel like people are watching me and, and are just like, look at the way this idiot's setting up this kit. Like, gosh, that's terrible. Like that is so like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the way I set up my drum kit only makes sense to me. Like, it's just like, why is that drum? Why is that drum basically, but like behind your leg? Why is this drum like this why is that like i'm pretty sure it only makes sense to me and looks really ridiculous like nobody can take a cool picture of me playing drums uh <laughs> well first of all because i don't look cool when i play drums some people just do like you know what i mean and that makes me like i'm like damn they look cool but um i don't and the other thing is like my drums just don't look cool set up it looks like they're not somebody's not finished yet it's like is somebody gonna finish setting those up and i'm like no they are finished (laughs) um oh okay like the person that comes in mics them sometimes they're like is that is that what you're doing and i'm like yeah i know i know just thanks uh but yeah um (laughs) I, i hate setting up the kit you'll see me at every show setting it up like while the other band is playing because hopefully no one's watching me um but uh i i pretend that's in the interest of professionalism but it's actually because i just (laughs) 
it's extreme anxiety while setting up my kit. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, for, from a drummer's perspective, like someone who's been playing drums for more than half their life, I if I ever see a drum kit that's set up kind of weirdly, I always wait and see how the drummer plays on it. Mm-hmm. And if it's set up weirdly and they play really badly, then I'll be like, oh, well, you're probably setting it up wrong then because it's not working for you ergonomically in this way or whatever. And, and maybe oh, yeah. that's why you're playing bad. But if I see someone with a really weird kit set up and then they go up there and they play and they just like play really well, or even if they don't play really well, but it looks to me like they're playing really well. It's natural. That's when I go, okay, well you've, you figured something out that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always the most important thing. There's, you get a lot of drummers who are like, no, it has to be done like this. And this is the correct way to hold your sticks. And I mean, the, the, the like, in inverted commas, correct way to hold a drumstick is like halfway up it, which mm-hmm. I find like baffling because then you lose half the stick. Yeah. I, so I always hold my sticks like right at the very bottom. Yeah. And yeah, you just got to find what works really. Yeah. I, um, this bit of advice is, I mean, it, it's only coming from me, but, um, my idea was like I should be able to close my eyes and know where all the drums are. So like that's how yeah. I set up my kit. Like where do I think the drum is supposed to be? And that's how I set up my kit and that's how I've always done it. And especially because I don't really sit still and I don't actually always even sit when I'm playing. So like it's like I need to know where the drums are. And so that yeah. works for me. But um yeah uh fun stuff fun stuff you can basically do whatever the fuck you want whenever you want yeah with any instrument and if you have fun and you make something that gives something to the world even if only five people like it then fuck it no whatever like you really only got into screamo uh when you started the label and we already talked about some of your influences for starting the label um but um like when did you start like being like well you know i can do a whole album by myself like i can have a project where it's just me doing everything and um was the was the impetus for that like just like I want to do it all by myself or was it like I can't find people that want to do this specific thing a little bit of both or like how did that process of 
starting to record yourself and do it, doing like solo projects, as it were, uh, begin? It, originally, it was not finding people who wanted to do a specific thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it was kind of a, like a, a long process from I can like kind of start something and like get some basic ideas down to getting to a point where I was like, yeah, I can start to finish, write a song, get everything down on it and just have it done. The first time that I did kind of everything was after the general election in the UK in 2016 and the the Tory party got in again. Um, I just, I wrote like a bunch of lyrics about how much I hate them and kind of all the awful things that they're doing to our country. And then I, I, I kind of wanted it to be like this really aggressive power violence. And I'd been write, trying to write some like hardcore riffs for a while. And I wasn't very good at guitar at that point. But I kind of realized if I just put my guitar in drop D, all I need to do is just bar chord to power chord. And I just that's all you need is just a bunch of power chords strung together. Sure. And if I just make a really simple riff but just play it quick, people might think it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I did that. And then I learned to do vocals by putting title fight really loudly in my car when I was just whenever I was going somewhere by myself mm-hmm. and just kind of shouting along to it and then yeah I just re- recorded the vocals for that demo and it ended up coming together but I, there was kind of a long process of like trying to write songs for a couple of years before that and never having the, the technical ability to get down the ideas that I wanted mm-hmm. And that, so that was the first time that I could physically kind of put it all together. Yeah. And then it's just kind of grown from there. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, all, I've got so many like unfinished projects from over the years that things I started, but I didn't have the technical ability to finish at the time or that I've just kind of, it's been left to the side at some point and I've just not picked it up again. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first started playing guitar, like what were you doing to try to get your chops up? Were you looking at like YouTube playthroughs or like were you following along like by ear with records you liked? Like how did you approach guitar after being a drummer for so long? Uh, it was mostly just trying to learn songs that I liked. Mm-hmm. So some of it I would do by ear, but I would try and find, to start with, I'd try and find tabs as much as I could. But I kind of picked up being able to learn stuff by ear because a lot of the songs I wanted to learn, you couldn't find tabs for. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then I, I just started to try to write my own riffs. So actually, I don't spend a lot of time at all learning how to play like existing songs. Mm. Um, it's only when I hear a guitar part that like, just really hits me and I'm like, I, I need to know how that works. And then I'll <laughs> sit down and, and see if I can figure it out. I think it's interesting trying to figure stuff out by ear as well, because you, you might end up playing it differently. So I, I learned the guitar part from ocean or other by Karloff. And I sent it to Ethan, a video of me playing it. Mm-hmm. And they replied and was like, huh, that sounds the same, but you play it completely differently to how I play it. 
Huh. So I think that's that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like it when you when you try to do something and it's like totally different, and then you're just like, well, I, I got a new part now. Like this, yeah, that's it's always not, quite fun. It's not even close enough to like be. It's just you started with one intention, and you came out the other side like somewhere else. And uh, yeah, that's fun. I mean, it's um. It's it's wild, like the the idea that like after you know twenty five years that like somebody's gonna sit down and come up with something whole cloth that isn't like similar enough to something else somewhere is like yeah it's pretty like that idea is kind of like laughable to me you know there's there's i think there's plenty of originality left to be had just in the um in the uh uh the the execution you know and yeah. that the rest of it is kind of all like uh open to interpretation you know and so um yeah it's it's fun to just like uh, see how things see how things turned out and i mean like you know there's a sula loon song that has like uh the song is from like 2012 or something that has like the exact same riff as like a band that i was in you know a song that i wrote in like 2004 and it's like you know i'm always like yeah they uh sula loon loves a camille you know but it's like they never heard that it's just like you know that's just that's screamo you know you're gonna yeah you're just gonna just, come you, across you both that. had the same idea yeah really. yeah yeah but uh i mean I, the or maybe they do love it by old pride the outro to that song i wrote it and then i like i recorded the guitar part in on the demo and i listened back to it and i was like hold on i know this <laughs> and it turns out it's almost identical to uh, the kind of the intro and outro guitar part from Young Fire by Pianos Beyond the Teeth. Oh, okay. Who are one of my all-time favorite bands. Okay. And I, yeah, I kind of sat and then I learned the guitar part to Old to Young Fire, uh-huh. and kind of sat down and I can play them side by side and it's, they're almost identical. But I, I came across that by accident. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's so, so easy if you're trying to write, especially in a similar style. Yeah. It's so easy to just accidentally come up with the same stuff. And I mean, all of this experience is in your lexicon, you know, it's just like, it's there. Like something you heard yeah. one time, you know, like I wrote this one part and um, I was like, I wrote it on guitar, you know, and I'm like, why what is this like this felt this felt it was deja vu you know coming up with this and i was like what what is going on here that i feel like i've heard this before like i've whatever you know later like after spending way too much time thinking about this i was like this is actually like this is this weird like atonal chord interpretation of the vocal melody from Kissed by a Rose by Seal. 
<laughs> and I was like, it's this is seal, but screamo, you know, <laughs> like yeah. and uh, and I was like, fuck it, put it, put it on, put it down, you know, throw this, throw this on a on a track. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's all in there somewhere. It's just some of it's just waiting to get out, especially if it's seal, apparently. But um, <laughs> hey, you, you can't. Stop yeah, it. definitely. Um, all, all that influence is always there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, over the last, uh, couple of years, um, it seems like I am always hearing of a new project that you've started or, 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 you know, um, something that you've released, uh, what are the bands that you consider to be currently active? Like which of your projects do you consider to be currently active? There's... It's, it's hard to, to list them all because I've, I've got a list on my phone. I've written them all down because I right. struggle to keep track of them all the time. Uh-huh. Um, there's about seven or eight that oh, I would okay. say are currently active in some way. Um, and most of which are actually kind of bands that I'm playing in like to, to do shows, but we don't have music out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, ones, so I'm, I'm playing bass in a punk band called El Chapo. Okay. Um, we've been doing quite pretty regular shows for the past few months. Okay. Um, playing guitar in a punk band called Perp Walk. We've got our first show later this month. Uh, play drums for a friend of mine's solo project called Frankie Delta, uh, which is kind of like punky, but fr- from like a really commercial point of view. Oh, okay. Like, could could be like headlining second stage of Reading Festival, like that sort of, like it really accessible, but kind of punk. Uh-huh. I don't know. I always struggle to describe it accurately. Yeah. Like power, power pop. Is that, um, I don't know. That's like a term. Like I, I think that people don't really use anymore, but it's like, it would describe bands like, uh, Green Day or Tilt Wheel or, um, maybe even face to face a bit. I don't know. Maybe sort of towards those those lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like similar-ish to that. Yeah. Face-to-face um, band's going to be mad at me now. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, Old Pride is, is active. Um, got a split coming out soon, hopefully. Um, and we'll be playing shows starting probably from next month. Uh, and I'm doing vocals in this kind of collective that a friend of mine started it's kind of grindcore focused and his his idea with it is just to get loads and loads of different musicians from around kind of bristol and surrounding areas just involved in writing or playing shows or just doing contributing in some way almost like a um sardonic entropy nexus oh yeah kind of but like a bit more free-flowing so people would kind of come and get like there'll never be loads of people involved at a time. People will just kind of come and go. And so I'm doing a lot of vocals in that at the moment. We'll be playing shows probably in the next couple of months. Yeah. That's how Regalia was supposed to be when we first started. It was supposed to be just me and Mark. And then a bunch of people would know how to play like different songs and we would just play whatever the people could play. And we were just like, we thought that that would be fun for like lots of reasons 
but um, it never really worked out because there was a reason that there, we were a two-piece for so long, and that's just because nobody around here either plays or wants to play that or whatever, you know? And yeah. Then, so it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I, I've always loved that idea, especially, like, just um, – I mean, it could be frustrating for some people, like – if somebody comes in and sort of plays the song like quite a bit differently than the last person, yeah. but like it can also be really fun and just like a way to experience these same short bursts of like, you know, energy in, in a, in a different way, you know? Yeah. I mean, self-defense family are a band who do that extremely well. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they do things like they'll go on tour with a band and then one of the members of the other band will just kind of start playing in the self-defense set. Yeah. Just kind of add bits. And I, I saw them tour with um, Creative Adult. Um, one of Creative Adult's guitarists just kind of joined it. I think they have four guitars. Oh, wow. On stage. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a lot. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a band that pulls that off really well. But yeah. I, I can't think of any other bands that kind of pull off that kind of have such a huge amount of members all rotating and actually manage to kind of be as active as like a regular band yeah yeah it's it's hard to pull off i I mean i reckon when you're well established like self-defense family you have a better uh you have a better bullpen that you can select from you you would not like it's just like there's more people that are into that idea of doing that with you that you can be sort of like this person plays the most like we expect or this person plays the most like we play or you know whatever and and um so yeah but it like i mean just just like from just from playing like a ton of shows with like say gas up your hearse for example and they had like lots of different drummers and and bass players over the time that I either was playing shows with them or I was actually playing like I was actually doing vocals like for the band. Um, yeah, it, it would be. I mean, the band would be night and day, a totally different band with these different members in it. And um, yeah, that was really interesting. And I've always thought that like that'd be that'd be fun. It was actually. It was another quirky dream of mine to have two coma regalias on tour on each side of the country at the same time. Um, I think a band called Master Manor Astro Man did that once, but they're like an instrumental band. It's be a bit yeah. different with like, but it's just screamo. Like anybody can just screamo like I scream, you know? I mean, just do it, you know? So yeah. Yeah, it, I think it's a lot easier if you're, when with screamed vocals compared yeah. to like singing yeah i mean i do and i think it'll be interesting as well to hear like someone who's got a different <laughs> screaming voice to kind of do their take on it yeah the, the other band would be better than the band that i'm and that'd be the only drawback is just being <laughs> like somebody else does it better you know and like look at them their their knees aren't destroyed like look at the way that they like bring that energy like you know jumping around the stage and you know whatever like because they're not old and their knees aren't destroyed and you know they're not suffering from like an extreme amount of like uh depressive anxiety like the whole time um but yeah still you know 
if if uh yeah if we ever get back to doing shows like that'd be a bucket list thing for me like to do that yeah and so yeah hit me up if anybody that would be thinks, really cool thinks that's fu- be a fun time or you could do it yeah we'll tour the uk and and the u.s at the same time that'd be sick that would be amazing that would it would um yeah uh so like um i maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong at this point but like um old pride that was one of the ones that you were just doing everything by yourself correct yeah so yeah and now you have a full band consider it a I'd still consider it a solo project. Okay. So it's the, like you just have some friends I'm, that are like, yeah, let's play some shows and let's let's learn these songs. Yeah. So I, I'm still kind of doing all of the writing and like I'll, I still have done all the performances on, on all the records and the split that's coming up as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they've just got two friends who, who are playing the songs with me. And what are you doing? What's you- really interesting there is... Um, so I'm doing guitar and vocals. Oh, okay, yeah. Which, which I'm, I'm learning is a lot harder than I envisioned to do yeah. both at the same time. Did you ever do drums Especially, and vocals? Not, kind of fully. Um, I've done backing vocals on drums quite oh, okay. a bit. Okay, okay. Um, and I've done like kind of like a whole chorus. So it's I've, I've kind of had times where I've done quite like a, a good kind of 30 seconds or so of drums and vocals together. Yeah. Um, but I've never done it as kind of being the vocalist as well as the drummer. Yeah. I think it's easier mentally, but obviously di- more difficult physically. Yeah. That I was going to say. You just don't have breath. The thing that puts me off is the main thing that puts me off actually is just where to put the mic. Mm-hmm. I would, no matter where I put the mic, it's either in the way of my hands or I can't reach it with my mouth. Mm-hmm. So I, I find I, I need to get one of those like Britney Spears headset mics. That would yeah. be the solution. Yeah. The uh, the um, one of my buddies. Uh, oh gosh, I'm I'm totally I'm totally spacing on the name of their band, but but one of my buddies, Cade, used to use one of those mics um, when their band played. Uh, and they're playing drums and doing vocals. And it was actually like, I thought it was awesome because they'd just be, they'd be like head down, right? And just like blasting out a part or whatever. And, um, and then these vocals would come out of seemingly nowhere. And it was like yeah. freaky in a way, you know? And it was just really cool. And, and you know, I always sort of... Um, I always sort of liked that and, and and toyed with the idea of getting one of those, but also the way that I put the mic is I use a boom and I bring it in over my toms and I, I just have it high so that I have to stretch to reach my face to it. And yeah, I just enjoy that uh, feeling of like, attack almost like you're you just have to want it to get your face into it and and um you know it just feels like what you should do 
like you know i don't know if that makes sense but it's it's like when you're yeah. doing freestanding like physical vocal. action yeah when you when, when you just have the mic in your hand and you and and you're putting it to your face and you're ripping it away like it just feels right right and this is sort of that same thing like it it feels yeah. right to like you you the lyrics are going in your mind and you're reacting and you just and you lunge at it and uh, you know i don't know so um the other thing would be really cool. It would be fun to just be screaming and, you know, nobody knows where it's coming from. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, before we take off, is there, is there anything that we didn't chat about that you want to chat about here at, at the end before we get going? Um, I don't know. I, I didn't like have a think about, specific things that i would want to talk about beforehand to be honest yeah um it's kind of just like you know usually just like a well how did you um start playing music and then like how did you get into bands and you know talk about your bands yeah. and stuff and we kind of got through that so uh yeah um yeah i, I can't think of anything specifically to talk about okay. um i have been See, kind of off the back of the uh, sardonic entropy nexus, quite a few people have said to me that I should kind of do do more of like the chip tune stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've been I have been working on making some songs, mm-hmm. which is is something I used to play play around a lot with, like maybe ten years ago. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of, I haven't really done much with it for a long time, apart from doing a, a cover of one of my band songs on my Game Boy. <laughs> which is which is actually Bandcamp and Spotify and all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but I've been working on those, um, so that, that that would be quite cool. It would be like a bit different for me, and it's interesting writing music with so much restriction because it's it's all just you know I can only put as much sound in there as like the Game Boy sound chip can handle at a time. Um, so yeah, that's something I'm, I'm doing that I'm really excited about. So hopefully there'll be some music from that coming out over the next few months, maybe. And that was my conversation with Dan Malazan. Thank you so much, Dan, for taking the time to chat with me. Till next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>